Welcome into another edition of the Half Court Press Podcast, where we talk everything Nebraska and Creighton hoops. He's Chris. I'm John. It's it's here. This is it. <laughs> the Huskers and Jays are going to do battle on Saturday, and uh, we're here to break it all down. I want to start, I think, and we're going to get right into it, because why not? Yeah, well, because oh, this is why we made the podcast, so let's get right into it. Let's start immediately. We were talking a little bit before we sat down to record, and we said, you know, maybe this game kind of feels a little bit different. And we were trying to explore sort of what the reasoning for that was. I think there's obvious sort of factors mm-hmm. at play because Nebraska is, has a new coach and a whole new roster. Um, but what I don't know, what gauge the tenor of this thing going into the, a game that obviously means a lot to Creighton fans and Nebraska fans and the players and coaches involved. Um, it's a rivalry game, and that's what college sports is about. Rivalries make it. Um, but sort of what – why do you think this one feels a little bit different? So this is the vibe I'm getting from the Nebraska side, from Nebraska fans and just kind of the program. Um I think that this is a – let's start with Nebraska fans. So Nebraska fans, last year we were just talking, last year was such a big deal. There were all these narratives. You know, Tim Miles hadn't beaten Greg McDermott yet. Tim had probably his best team. Creighton was good last year, but I had some flaws that Nebraska knew it could exploit. And I feel like that arena – there was also the you know the FBI, FBI investigation that was going on, and so there was just added juice in the arena because of that. And so there were all these things that kind of collided on that arena, and that was the best, probably you could argue the best Nebraska played under Tim Miles other than maybe No Sit Sunday and maybe other than that one when um, they had a couple up in East Lansing, but they had a during the 13-14 year. They won um, at Michigan State. But they played – that was the best I'd seen a 10-miles team play. Um, so there's that. This year, I feel like the narratives are not quite defined in terms of what this rivalry looks like now. Fred Hoiberg and Greg McDermott obviously both coached at Iowa State, but that's far enough away that I think people aren't super in, invested in it. Like I think if, if for whatever reason Fred Hoiberg came here – immediately after Iowa State for some reason, then we'd be able to talk about it because it was his last job, but there's been some time between those things. Um, I think for Nebraska fans, it's kind of, they look at Creighton and they know what they see. Creighton's really good, and Nebraska is not very good. And I think from that perspective, and also when you add on top of it, Tim Miles made this game a big, big deal in the program. And made it an emphasis every year that like we want to be Creighton, we want to be Creighton. I don't know what the vibe really is with Fred Hoiberg. And in terms of that specific thing, we'll get to talk to him tomorrow and we can ask him that specifically. Um, But you're also bringing in so many new players who aren't even from the Midwest. So I don't even think they understand what Nebraska Creighton really means. And so I'm curious to ask that to them tomorrow. So I think that there's just all these things from the Nebraska side where I think fans are going to watch this one kind of with like their, their hand, if they're watching it on TV, like their hand is going to be on the, you know, the, the last button. They're just going to be kind of hovering over it. Like, okay, I'm going to just, you know, give me some hope. So I don't just flip over to whatever football game I could find or, you know, whatever. Um, and I think the team, I'm really curious how they respond to, cause like, I mean, Creighton has, they were embarrassed last year in PBA mm-hmm. and most of their roster is back. 
Mm-hmm. So they're going to come back and see that same jersey, and they're not going to be thinking, okay, this is a new guy. They're going to be thinking, like, I hate Nebraska. I want to kick their ass. And so I'm curious how Nebraska responds to that because it's almost like showing up and some kid walks up to you and they're like, hey, I don't like you. Like in Star Wars, and because like, I don't like you and this guy doesn't like you either. And they're like, I mean, I don't know what I did to you. Right. That's kind of what it feels like in some ways, Who's I think. Obi-Wan Kenobi in this scenario? Who <laughs> um, cuts off the arm? I don't know. Is that um, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe Cam Mack if he like yeah. scores 25. Right. Um, but that's that, – and I know – I think that you disagree a little bit with this. But just from the Nebraska perspective, there's definitely, it seems like, less heat and less energy – not energy, but just just a less intense feeling going into this one than last year. Right. Well, I I know I agree that I would imagine that Nebraska fans have a little bit lower expectations this year versus last year. Mm-hmm. But I think the passion's still there. I mean, I still get the sense that um, the majority of Nebraska fans want to beat Creighton, and the majority of Creighton fans want to beat Nebraska, mm-hmm. and they don't want to see the other. Um, at work on Monday and have to explain why they lost or yeah. why their team lost. Yeah. And, and that, to me, is the essence of rivalry and what makes these types of games so awesome. Um, I agree, though, that it does feel like the rivalry is kind of turning a page and entering a new chapter. And this this game feels almost like an introduction to what, what the next stage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a first sort of piece but the story won't be told for the next four or five years in terms of what Nebraska is going to be under Hoiberg and uh, whether Creighton kind of keep ascending on it within the higher, uh, college basketball hierarchy and how they sort of interact and what the interplay is like between the two programs now that Nebraska is under new, new leadership. But um, I don't know. It, it does feel like Creighton and Nebraska haven't really matched very often yeah. when they've been on equal footing. Uh, Nebraska dominated the rivalry in the 80s and 90s and then and you know it was Nebraska was the powerhouse Big 12 or Big 8 Big 12 program um, playing a middling Creighton mid-major Missouri Valley team and uh, and did what it should do against that team and it was I I thought it was always kind of you I don't know I wasn't around at this time but it, it was like Nebraska was doing creating a favor by playing them, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, well, yeah, we'll let you come to our <laughs> gym and, and we'll go there, but we're going to beat you. Yeah. We're going to beat you soundly, that kind of thing. But it shifted, you know, Dana Altman uh, built Creighton and, and rose it up the ranks um, in the Missouri Valley, and they were starting to win Missouri Valley titles and make the NCAA tournament, and then suddenly they were beating Nebraska rather consistently, and then Greg McDermott took over, Creighton moved to the Big East, and now suddenly the, the Jays look like they're sort of a – bona fide top 40 top 50 program um whereas nebraska is trying to catch up Mm -hmm. and creighton's obviously dominated the rivalry over the last i don't know 15 years or Mm so so i i'm eager i mean this game maybe set it to the side i mean it's going to be fun no matter what but i'm i'm kind of like you know i want to sort of watch it and think about what next year is going to be like yes the year after that and the yeah. year after that because you've got two well you the assumption is that i'm making and a lot of people are making you included that fred hoiberg is going to build something and the nebraska we see today is not the nebraska we'll see next year two years down the road and how quickly can he close the gap uh with with uh with creighton and Greg mm-hmm. mcdermott because it uh once you get to where creighton is at this point and creighton fans know this like it's hard to break through mm-hmm. to that next tier like creighton's done a good job of building a top 40-ish program in the country but to get up to that next level um that's where, where it gets tough and nebraska can close the gap and nebraska's get- gonna have to go i mean if they're if they want to be what fred hoiberg was at iowa state they're gonna have to go through a, f- a phase of a couple seasons of where creighton currently is which isn't a bad which is like 
to to your point, like you have to break through a certain barrier. Mm. The the two things I would add one, um, and we've talked about this. You know, we're going to write about this for our advance, but like, what's the what's the main thing we'll talk about with these two coaches? And we don't really specifically know over the next course of the year because we're not you know time travelers. Um, but I think speed is one thing, and that's one thing that's going to be prevalent. I think on Saturday and also just over the next couple of years of how basically it's just a race, like how fast can these two teams really go? Um, and that leads us into kind of our next topic, which is what, what we're looking forward to. And I think you kind of hinted at it of just what's this really look like and what's um, big picture. What, what do these two programs look like two years down the road, three years down the road? Like, is this a point where, you know, in three years, this is a number 25 and number 15 team in the country playing each other and a win means something for your NCAA tournament resume. Yeah, like right. that's, I think what you in a perfect world. What I don't you think, want. I think it was that they've never met as when they've both been ranked. I, I don't think, think so. I think, was. I think was Nebraska ranked last at, year. Yeah, but Creighton wasn't exactly. But I think it was so, the first time Nebraska had been ranked playing in a, a Creighton team in a in long a while, time. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the thing to your point. Like I think what you want in a rivalry is you want both ranked it matters i mean think of the iron bowl the best iron bowl you can think of was kick six and that was number or yeah that was number one against number four and you know winner potentially going to a title game like you want those stakes for your for your rivalry yeah. and so i think to your point it has been kind of a seesaw and i think we're we're hoping hopefully we're kind of leading toward okay in a couple of years they'll finally meet and we can have some like pretty epic stuff right and it, not meeting in the nit you know like which right. is what happened right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and to i mean i guess they could have met and then to a tournament a couple of years ago that's true yeah yeah, yeah. but i also hedge on that a little bit cuz i think when I mean meet, I mean like consistently, like every year they're both, you know, they have one, two losses, maybe going into this specific matchup. Um, let's jump to what you're looking forward yeah, to. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, you know, Saturday. obviously I'm, we're, we've kind of looked at the big picture and what the long-term prognosis is, but even though it, it is pretty clear that Nebraska is still finding itself and Creighton's obviously more established and has a better, um, better handle on what it wants to be. And it's just a better team right now. That doesn't mean that the game's not going to be fun. So right. I'm, I, I don't know, man. I think, to me, the most interesting, most fascinating element is just watching the two point guards go to battle. I mean, I'm, I'm always a sucker for a good point guard me too. matchup. Me too. I'm not sure if they're going to be guarding each other or not. I mean, we'll see uh, how the, both the coaches decide to play it out. But I hope we'll get at least, uh, you know, a sw- if they're not guarding each other to start, maybe there will be a switch on so a So you think of Cam Mack and Zagorowski? Yes. Cam Mack versus Marcus Sigurowski. I both players. Marcus is a little bit more reserved off the court, but in like in the spotlight when the game's on, like he is emotional and fiery and wants to win, very mm-hmm. competitive. And we've seen from Cam Mack, like he maybe he has a little bit more of the bravado and the flair to his game, where mm-hmm. he's gonna uh, be more demonstrative with his celebrations, his gestures, uh, but there's still that fire that I think exists with the edge that they both like to play with um, that I think is going to be pretty cool. And yeah. you, and I've seen Marcus, you know, sort of match up against some pretty high profile players and he played at a high level in high school and he's not the type of guy that backed down that's going to back down to that. And I'd imagine Cam Max the same way. Like, yeah. So to me, um, with both of these teams being offensive oriented and they want to push the pace and, and, get downhill like those two guys are going to be it's going to be a really fun matchup to I, I'm gonna, I I'm gonna go to don't want to repeat you but I completely agree um I think Cam 
is it's probably I mean he's probably Nebraska's best player. He's he's a guy who um you know he I mean he was benched two games ago. Like he 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 didn't do some stuff that he needed to do and Fred wasn't happy about that and so he benched him. And so he's a guy who like needs to he's their best player. He, he they really rely on him. Um, but he's kind of inconsistent in some ways, and Zagorowski is not. Like I feel well, like I, would, I feel like, but I feel like when he shows up to the gym, you know what you're getting. Yeah, the only thing I would say is just this shot has been sure, yeah, yeah. Lately. But I, I mean, just mean he, you know what energy right. he's bringing, you know what kind of leader he's going to be. Yeah. With Cam, you kind of don't really know. I think that he has an extremely high ceiling, and I think he knows that. I think all the coaches know that. But the one thing that's so interesting to me about this specific season is, again, this season isn't really about this season; it's about next season and the growth of Cam Mack. And this is, I think, the first time that he's going to step onto the, the court. And, you know, Michael DeVos is a good scoring Georgia Tech guard, and, and Nebraska's played some good guards. But I think this is the first time he's going to step onto the floor and have three opposing guards that might actually be better than him with Tyshawn Alexander, Mitch Ballack, and Marcus Arassi. So I'm curious, like, what kind of cam do, do we see? Because he's not really played in this type of environment before, ever, really. You know, he played in JUCO, but there's only so many people in JUCO. He played, you know, kind of in a smaller, you know, setting when he was in high school. Um, he went to Stephen F. Austin and, and left. So, like, this is the first time there's going to be thousands of people in the arena that are against Cam Mack. And I love that idea because I, I feel like he's going to want to come out and fight. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I would add is, you know, Mitch Ballack had a great game against Nebraska last year. I think he was 7 to 10 from three. Is that right? right. Um, and I think he was like 7 of 8 to start. I think he might have been talking trash to fans. Oh, I think he was. I, 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 I remember this, yes. Um, I think he was I'm curious, that versus Hanif Cheatham, who very quietly has kind of sustained Nebraska. He started off really slow. I think he scored maybe three points in the first two games. Um and he's not really – I think it's usually not a great thing when he's Nebraska's leading scorer because that means that Nebraska shooters aren't really knocking things down and, and Hanif has kind of established himself as a slasher. So I'm what I'm curious about is Hanif has played in this environment before. Maybe the only player other than Thor who has shown up to an arena where it's going to be packed, people are going to be you know jazzed, and he understands what he has to do. And so I'm curious what, how he plays against specifically Mitch Ballack. Because I think Hanif Cheatham is probably Nebraska's best on-ball defender. And I think that Fred Hoiberg and I think the, the coaching staff is going to circle Mitch Ballack as a guy of, like, if he heats up, like, he's impossible. I mean, he's shooting it from half court, and he's just doing whatever he wants to do. So I'm curious if, if Hanif Cheatham can slow Mitch Ballack down a little bit and if he can actually score. Like, that's going to be an interesting – you've got this Cam Mack, Zagorowski. Like, that's going to be kind of the main show. But this Hanif Cheatham, Zigar- um, uh, Mitch Ballack side dish is, like, I think that's going to be pretty tasty too. Yeah, and I think the other side dish is th- that'll be fun too is just, like, the X's and O's sort of battle between Absolutely. McDermott and Hoiberg. Um, Coach McDermott, uh, and to his credit, I, th- I think he draws up some really good plays out of timeouts and uh, baseline out-of-bounds, sideline out-of-bounds plays. And uh, he, I think he, what did he phrase? I think he talked about it kind of like, it's almost like the special teams of basketball. Mm -hmm. It's sort of what you do on on out-of-bounds plays and how how you limit the other team. And then obviously if you can steal a couple buckets. I remember specifically the last time these two teams played here in Omaha, the game was pretty close actually. And uh, Creighton ended up putting it away with a three late by Marcus Foster. But the Jays got, I think it was at least three buckets. It might've been four, but three buckets at least on sideline out of bounds plays. And um, it turned out to be obviously pretty, pretty critical 
to in a game that was that close. So I and I know that Fred, you know, we, you've written about his expansive playbook, and if, right. if you've watched any of Hoiberg's teams over the last decade, you know how uh, you know just what his basketball acumen is. So I feel like those two going back and forth and and trying to one up each other with uh, the design of plays even if the shot doesn't fall i'm yeah gonna be just like to see how pretty yeah. i'm gonna be like oh that was nice yeah I like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. The, so. and, and i'm curious from that and we'll talk we'll talk coaches a little bit later but just to to put a bow on this because 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 i i love that element of the game i'm curious what that looks like with hoiberg and nebraska's side when you know they're still so new and i don't really know how much they've actually put in yet mm. and there's a certain element too where like they've had to not put in as much because they knew they were going to get zone a couple times the last couple games. So they're like, okay, we have to work on zone. Like we have to work on how to, um, which like if either of these teams go zone, then that's, that's, that sucks. That's like going to a movie and the projector shutting off 45 minutes in like that sucks. So you're just getting cheated. Um, but they've had to work on that and they've had to figure out, okay, how do we break a zone? Cause it's a pretty good way to beat Nebraska. Um, and so and that way they haven't been able to work on sets and putting more stuff in. Um, but I also, there have been a couple times when, you know, Nebraska's needed a bucket late and Hoiberg has drawn up plays where it's like, that's beautiful. <laughs> like that's incredible. Right. So I want to know what that, what that, you know, tit for tat looks right. like, you know, um, by the way, also this is kind of silly, but I hope, I hope Creighton wears blue. Dude, like, if they were blue and red, that would be great. Yeah. That was the way it was last year. Right, because, well, Creighton was the road team, and I think Nebraska, the home team normally wears white, but Nebraska wore red instead. And, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, That's Creighton, what Creighton wears white or gray at home yeah. more times than not, but uh, I hope that they bust out the blues. If it's the royal blues, cool. If it's the baby blues, I'm, I'm okay with that as I well. I'd be even more okay with baby blues. <laughs> I don't know. I think the royal blues are their best. It's Creighton's best uniform, and the road reds for Nebraska are great. Far, far and away their their yeah. best uniform, yeah. Um I'm I'm hoping that's what we get. We'll Me see. too. I Me too. Know. I that'll be the first thing that I mean, we're gonna be there on the ground, boots on the ground side right. That's the first thing we're gonna find out. I mean that's I'm gonna be on top of that. Because that's so important. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what jersey you guys They have? like to they like to be secretive about it sometimes though and just sort of like, hey, this is <laughs> just this is show up. Yeah, surprise. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six different categories in which we're gonna give Creighton or Nebraska the edge, and then we'll we'll finish up uh, with setting a line for the game, who we're taking, and, and a couple other things. So let's begin with when Creighton has the ball, when Creighton is on offense, when Creighton has an opportunity to score, who has the advantage? Yeah, I think Creighton has the advantage by far. Um, I think that Creighton is the best offensive team that Nebraska's faced all year, mm-hmm. and its ability um, to push tempo, get open shots in three, at, uh, or from three is going to give Creighton some problems. I, I think Nebraska's lack of just perimeter size and length, um, that that has usually been the kryptonite for these guys, Marcus Segarowski, Tyshawn Alexander, Mitch Balik. Um, if you can get physical with them and get up in them and, and bother them, maybe knock them off balance, um, you have a chance to sort of maybe uh, limit their aggressiveness. But I don't think that Nebraska has the profile of the athlete to do that. And so my assumption is is that those guys will be extremely comfortable going downhill, attacking the rim, because obviously Nebraska doesn't have a lot of rim protection, and uh, and just sort of running its offense. Mm-hmm. Um, where the Jays can get in trouble, I think, might actually be 
forcing the issue too much and not just like maybe almost trying to hit home runs every time and like trying to they know that they have an advantage in that on that side of the floor and you're and so if the jays are like forcing it almost too much Mm -hmm. playing too fast they they had a problem with that two years ago here because nebraska was um really disciplined and, and did what it could to slow the tempo of the game down and creighton was trying to fight back and push the tempo itself I think the Jays scored like, or the Jays turned the ball over like 10 times mm-hmm. or something. Just a lot of plays where you're just like, you know, take a deep breath, yeah. slow down. And so I think um, that the Jays will probably be eager as, as we've talked to, or I think you mentioned it um, to get sort of some rede- redemptions and revenge from last year. And they'll want to put a lot of points up on Nebraska, but quickly too, I think I would imagine they yeah. want to get off to a good start and they've gotten off to good starts this year. So in their mind, if you know if they go one of four to start the game, they'll be thinking like this isn't right. We yeah. need to, we need to get, we, we need to put a run together, and so that that uh, that urgency may might lead to some some mistakes. But I think Nebraska is going to have a hard time slowing them down. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the edge here is clearly Creighton. Um, they're the best, most efficient offense that Nebraska's played this year. Um, they actually, I was looking at this, and I this is maybe a, a side conversation, I guess, but. So Creighton, Nebraska actually gets more possessions per game. So they have like 77 possessions per game, and Creighton only has like 71. Mm-hmm. But Creighton's so much more efficient, and they score more points in Nebraska. That, that to me, is a little scary, where even though Nebraska wants to go really fast, Creighton, though they do want to go fast, they're so much more efficient, and they don't need so many possessions because they are able to actually shoot. Um, you know, Creighton's 41st in effective field goal percentage. Nebraska's not a great... Uh, field goal percentage defense um i don't think that this is going to be a game where there are a ton of offensive rebounds like i don't i don't i imagine creighton's gonna win the rebounding battle but what i don't what what i can imagine is creighton almost like when you're alabama and you're playing some bad football team i guess not alabama they don't have a quarterback anymore like lsu and you know you're gonna win the game and you come out and you you know first three plays of the drive you try and hit you know 80 yard bombs and you just they all fall incomplete where and you're like okay we should probably like just regular like do regular stuff and then we're gonna win so what what i will almost imagine is creighton coming out and being like okay we know that we can score and they just take really quick threes and they bounce off back of their iron nebraska's able to get it and go and then creighton's like okay let's just run some stuff like let's actually figure it out that's what that's what i think if you're a nebraska fan or if you're nebraska you kind of hope that creighton maybe gets a little too antsy but i think if when both teams settle down and creighton runs their stuff and they're able to actually getting then I, then I think they definitely have an edge I, it'll be interesting to see um two things can can Creighton keep it up mm-hmm. over the course of the full game the Jays have gotten tired in games and it's led to a drop off in the second half and then the other thing you mentioned offensive rebounding because Nebraska is obviously a very bad rebounding team um the the status of Kelvin Jones he twisted his ankle I think they didn't actually say the the specific injury but it looked like someone landed on his foot mm-hmm. and so he didn't play the last 16 minutes of the game against Oral Roberts. So if he's healthy, um, able to go, he's a force on the offensive boards. You know, he's able to 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 create second chances, and he's 6'11". So he's going to be a tough matchup for Nebraska. So he's the type of guy that will hunt down a long rebound or um, create a second chance opportunity. It's just him, though. Right. Uh, maybe DJ, uh, Damian Jefferson at mm-hmm. the four could find his way. And, and Christian Bishop is at, really active, so he's bringing the energy. There could Creighton could steal. It's not Creighton's not a good offensive rebounding team it's not a good defensive rebounding team either um but it is better in that area than sure. nebraska so maybe yeah and in nebraska i will say they were better against georgia tech 
getting some boards. I think they were only out rebounded by less than ten, which I think which is a you know an improvement. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. When Nebraska has the ball, edge Nebraska or edge Creighton. You can go first again. I actually like. think that Nebraska might have the edge. Now, the degree in which Nebraska has the edge over Creighton when it has the ball versus when Creighton Creighton's edge over Nebraska when Creighton has the ball much different. Yes, but I would I, agree. With I this. think I would like if you're. Like if you're looking at a pendulum, it's like slightly swings mm-hmm. Nebraska's way, just because Creighton just hasn't been good defensively. They haven't had, you know, they they don't have a rim protector. Um, teams, particularly in the second half, have really found uh, a good rhythm against the Jays and have hit a lot of shots. Team like Creighton's last in the Big East in terms of uh, opponent field goal percentage. I think teams are shooting like 44 or 45 percent against the Jays. Um, they're missing. You know, Davion Mintz was one of Creighton's best perimeter defenders last year, and he hasn't played yet this year, and he's not going to play against Nebraska. He's not going to. Um, He hasn't practiced yet, so he's. I I think it's pretty. I can pretty confidently say he's not going to make some miraculous recovery with that high ankle sprain. Uh, Denzel Mahoney will help the Jays improve defensively. I think he's six five with a six eleven wingspan, but he's not eligible for two more weeks. So, um, I, I think that that that. Nebraska, with the way that pushes tempo, um, you know, if it can get downhill and attack the rim, teams are shooting something like 66 or 67% at the rim against Creighton, which is really high. Um, I think Nebraska is going to have, have an advantage there. One thing that Creighton does decently well is steal, like mm-hmm. reach in, double team, because they have guards with quick hands. Um, Creighton's shown a, a, an ability to force some turnovers. And so it'll be up to Nebraska. I saw, you know, watch the game against Georgia Tech. That was one of the areas of concern after that was just making bad plays and, or not making smart plays with the basketball. Normally, Nebraska's been, at least the statistics so, show. So what I was going to say, good. so what I was going to say was. But watch it. They, that, that is a good point. Nebraska against zones and against presses, they do not make good decisions with the ball. When they are man to man, they do make pretty good decisions. So then we may see so, some one so three one from Creighton. Then. So if we because see one, yeah. Creighton's shown some one three one at certain points this year. Yeah, it, I can't remember if it's shown some two three or not. I know it's in its repertoire. So perhaps we see some zone from Creighton yeah. as a as a way to sort of knock Nebraska off. It, it would make so much track. sense for every single team in the country to play zone against Nebraska. That's the way you beat them. That's kind of that's kind of the way you beat them last year too. Fran McCaffrey kind of threw that out at Iowa last year where they were like, hey, we're just going to play 3-2 zone and foul uh, and, and like, you know, get some fouls on um, Isaiah Roby and just see what you can do. And it, and it beat Nebraska. And so in this way, I think if you, you know, a little bit of pressure up front, drop back to a 1-3-1, that's how you beat Nebraska. But I will say um, in terms of talking about when Nebraska has the ball, I said this early in the season, and I and I think I'm solidified in this opinion. Um, someone had asked me, okay, through a couple games – what do you what do you what have you learned or what are your expectations for the season? And I said, I think there's some nights where you go out, Nebraska will go out, and they'll play like they did against UC Riverside. They'll shoot twenty nine percent, they'll only make six threes, they'll just kinda look like a disaster. There'll be some nights when you go out and you look like you played against like they did when they played against South Dakota State, where you shoot almost fifty percent from the floor, or Southern where you hit twelve threes. Like it just kinda depends on what what team shows up. Last night against Georgia Tech, they shot 32%, they shot 25% in the second half, um, and they only made six threes. And so I give the edge here when Nebraska has the ball to Nebraska with the caveat of, but it depends on who shows up. 
and it depends on Nebraska, not Creighton. Like, I think Creighton's good enough defensively that they could end up winning that battle, but it depends more, in my opinion, on, okay, who are you going to be, Nebraska? Are you going to show up and make a couple shots? Because, again, we've seen they can make 12 in an arena. I mean, they made 12 against Southern. Um, they made 10 against George Mason in, in a loss. But still, I mean, they can they can shoot the ball. They really can. And that was one thing where you know, Nebraska's you know Twitter account, even before this game, tweeted out a graphic of Nebraska had shot 45% from three in the last four games. Like, they have it in them. And Fred Hoiberg talks a million times. You've probably heard it a million times. He shoots more with this team in practice than any other team. And so it's one of those things where, like, you should get better. They will get better. So I think when Nebraska has the ball, I think this game favors Nebraska in that way because if they're able to get a couple rebounds against a team that doesn't really crash the glass really hard, if they're able to get out in transition and make some good decisions doing that, if they're able to knock down some transition threes, then this could be pretty close. Um, the problem is going to be on the other end and getting back and, and defending Creighton. Um, but I think specifically for Nebraska, they have the edge, but it depends on which team shows up because if it's a team that shows up on Wednesday night that showed up if the team Wednesday night shows up they're gonna lose by 30 but if the team that played in the Cayman Islands shows up I think it'd be closer um you what you just said about um kind of alluding to the transition element of it kind of leads into our next category yep. where it, it, we, we basically were like what if the game is a track meet who has the advantage and another way to phrase it is if the if Creighton and or Nebraska establishes the, t- the type of style of play that it prefers who has the advantage it just so happens in this game that both teams prefer the same style <laughs> yeah so if it is a track meet and shootout which it probably will be who stylistically benefits the most from that um i think right now in this specific game creighton based on what we were talking about before we started recording which was just, I mean, give him the stats of what Tyshawn Alexander shoots in the first five seconds of the shot clock. Right, so I wrote this uh, on in a blog a couple days ago. Tyshawn Alexander is 9 of 16 yeah. from three-point range in the first five seconds of, of the shot clock. And I showed you that video that yeah. I tweeted out where Creighton got a sh- from rebound to three-pointer from Tyshawn Alexander was three seconds, 3.6 seconds. And there have been a number of occasions this year where teams have – been forced to call a timeout specifically because they left a shooter wide open in transition, and so Creighton flourishes. In so the that's why that's why I'm taking that's why I'm taking Creighton in this. Like I think that a track meet is the only way Nebraska can play like play good, solid, watchable, aesthetically pleasing basketball. Um, but I think the way that Creighton knows exactly what they want in transition when Nebraska's running in transition it's almost like um it's like a toddler running onto a playground they're like I have so many options here and this is going to be so much fun I can't wait to figure out how to go down the slide like this is going to be great and when Creighton runs in transition they know exactly what they want to do like it's almost an art in a certain way at this point with who they have how long they played together knowing the fundamentals of what Greg McDermott wants and being really sound in that. With Nebraska sometimes, I know Fred's system is set up to a majority of your threes are in transition. Nebraska's just not been one of those teams that is looking for that, where you drive hard into the rim and then you look for the wings, where when a three-on-two break used to be back in 2002, 
where you're running down the middle of the court and everyone's crashing and you, you know, one guy has to pick and you bounce pass and you lay up. No, the way it is now, you drive down the lane and two guys flash out and you hit one of them for a three. I like, was going to say, even with Creighton sometimes, and I've seen it with Nebraska too, yeah. like they don't even, the ball doesn't even hit the lane. So the problem is, so, <laughs> like, right. The, the three pro- goes up before, like with one pass. The problem is Nebraska is more in the habit of let's all get close to the lane and we'll get a layup. And it's not, let's flash out and let's hit some transition threes. And so I give the edge to Creighton because they know more what they want to do. Now, to Nebraska's credit, when they do, even when they do run in transition, sometimes it's really pretty, but it's not quite exactly what Fred wants. I think with Creighton, it's again, they know exactly what they want to do. They're really good at it. I think if they are able to get out in transition and hit a three transition threes in a row, it could just completely disrupt what Nebraska does and disrupt their psyche, and it could be kind of game over. Um, so I think I give the edge to Creighton. Yeah, and Creighton's done that a lot, in, especially in the first half of the game. So you the give question, the edge to Creighton as well? I, I do, and I think you summed it up pretty well. Um, the only thing I'd add is you know, maybe Nebraska can hang around mm-hmm. um, in a track meet and maybe wear Creighton down because it has more bodies, which leads into our next category mm-hmm. of the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, who has the edge with its players off the bench. I will lead with the fact that yeah. Creighton has one, maybe two guys. Yeah. Because Kelvin Jones is, I would imagine, I, I label him as questionable. Greg McDermott said after the game, we think he'll be okay. Yeah. So I don't know what that means exactly. Maybe we'll find out more. We're recording this on a Thursday. So um, we haven't, I haven't had a chance to talk to, to, to Coach McDermott since the game. But I imagine you label him as questionable. Um, aside from him, it's Sharif Mitchell, and then maybe Jet Canfield has played about five minutes a game over the last two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially, Creighton's bench um, it just hasn't had a bench. The last two games, uh, the the starters have logged eighty four percent of the minutes um, on wow, the season. That's a lot. On the season, starters have logged seventy five percent of the minutes, which is like three hundred twentieth nationally. Um, or, or well, I should flip. The bench minutes, you know, that um, Creighton's bench has logged like 25% of its minutes, which is 320th nationally. So I'm giving the edge to Nebraska just because Creighton doesn't have a bench. Sure. So here's the counter. Nebraska also doesn't really have a bench. <laughs> so Nebraska's bench is essentially Kevin Cross, who at a certain point, I was having a conversation with someone about this today. At a certain point, you wonder if he just needs to start because he's already playing more minutes than Ivan Drago per night. He's scoring more. Um, he has a little bit fewer rebounds, uh, but he's shooting. He's one of the best shooters on the team. The problem is, is that he's listed at six eight, but there's no way he's actually six eight. And Ivan is a little bit closer to six nine than, uh, which is which is what he's listed at. And you kind of need that size. But Kevin Cross technically comes off the bench, and I like what he does. So it's Kevin, Thor, Mate is basically the three guys that they're playing off the bench. They're not really playing Samari Curtis. Um, they're not playing pretty much anybody else, not playing a Cole. The other other guy is Charlie Easley. Um, so I, I maybe give it to Nebraska, but only because it only kind of feels, but only even going, I completely agree. Like I, that's, that's a good point. Maybe we just make it even, but the reason why I give it to Nebraska Thor and here's why. Okay. Here's why Thor is a quieter kid, but he knows what it takes to win this game. And he knows what it takes to win some games that you probably shouldn't. Case in point, the last five games of last season mm-hmm. where he logged a ton of minutes. And the way that we talk and think about Thor in the last 12 months has totally shifted where you know people thought that he was 
didn't fit this and it didn't make any sense and Nebraska wanted to kick him off the team and all this stuff. But he brings a different element to this basketball team that is so needed where, you know, he had a career high last night. I mean, he's playing really well. And so I maybe I say it's even because I think in terms of like overall talent, Creighton's talent's probably better from off the bench than Nebraska's. But I think the value of bringing Kevin Cross in, who is kind of a walking 15-point night just waiting to happen, and Thor, who, you know, I could see a point where if everyone else is a little nervous, Thor scores the first eight points of the game for Nebraska or, you know, coming off the bench or something like that. Um, and then, you know, with Mate, he's, he's not shooting that great. He's a 40% three-point shooter coming in on, on his career, but he's shooting 27% from three. He's not really doing what he's brought here to do. Right. So Higher level why, of basketball, I think. Yeah, and, and again, that, that stroke is very slow. It was the first thing I thought when I watched it. I was like, it man, takes that's a slow. Long time to get so I'm going to put, I'm going to put, was it tie? Tied? I don't know. I, I, I forgot. I mean, is it a wash? The one thing that I didn't factor in, because you mentioned about Thor's impact and maybe an emotional impact, like Sharif will have that too for Creighton because he mm-hmm. he's like the only guy who's from the state who's playing in this game, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, so he's going to have a lot of pride. There's a lot of pride on the line for him, and the way that he makes an impact on the game is with his energy and effort defensively and, you know, ripping the ball away from somebody, breaking mm-hmm. away and, and getting a layup. Like those are emotional moments yeah. that change the momentum of the game. He would, but, he would get on the floor. Nebraska doesn't have a lot of guys that want to, you know, scuff up their knees, but Sharif's <laughs> going to be like, listen, my whole family's here. I'm gonna dive on the floor. I'm gonna put. All my friends. Yeah, I'm gonna put know. a wash, but maybe Creighton. I don't know. It could be Nebraska. It depends. <laughs> like it's, how much are they gonna use? But it, it, but it could be. <laughs> That's it. Feels Nebraska like Nebraska also. Good. That's even. <laughs> um, the uh, another element because when we're talking about emotions and just the the impact, like it's you can't ignore that part of the the rivalry or any game like this where mm-hmm. it matters. Um, so there's an intangible element. Who has the edge there? You know what we should have called this. The desperation element. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Desperation. Who is more desperate? Who is more desperate? Oh, that's good. Um, because I liked Nebraska I, was desperate. So here, so here, so let's just lay it all. Out. I think Creighton's gonna I be more desperate because I don't have an answer yet. Okay, go but ahead. let's just lay this all, all out. All right, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk through it. This game means a lot to Creighton, right? You, if you lose this game to Creighton, and this is, you know, Nebraska fans cover your ears maybe, but. Creighton loses this game like the NCAA tournament record like gets a hit because Nebraska is yeah. not a good team. They're pro- they're probably not going to finish above 500. So like for Creighton, I think the way that we've we've kind of talked about this is like the pressure element might be more pressure on Creighton because if you win this game, you move along, everything's fine. You lose this game, like, eek. and that's kind of that jump starts Fred Hoiberg kind of it's his first big win. That's all this great stuff happens, um, but pressure in terms of you know showing up to the arena and looking around and there's so many people here that are in blue and holy cow I've not played in front of this many people before outside of PBA and I'm not used to this arena and there's these people right behind the bench yelling at me and they know my name and my and and like my major and like they follow me on Twitter and making fun of my tweets. They have them on blown up like cardboard leather showing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just the all of that emotion that Nebraska as a team is just not ready for. Um, because how could you? Because you've not seen it before. That's the only reason that I think the counter argument could be that Nebraska's in face more pressure because of just what's happening in the arena. But I think big picture, Creighton has more to lose, right? Yeah, I would, and it feels like it, it's weird because Creighton has had more to lose, except for last year, but. 
previously, Creighton's had more to lose mm-hmm. most of the time that it's played over the last decade against Nebraska. But Nebraska's played like the team that yeah. has had more. It's played very tight yeah. and uncertain, and Creighton's the one that just kind of like rolls the ball out there and just has a lot of fun mm-hmm. and wins by a lot. Um, so I would imagine, based on its track record, that Creighton's guys will handle that pretty well, given they, this same head coach is still mm-hmm. involved in leading the way. Um, you know, that element of desperation, though, it's funny. We didn't really talk about this before we recorded, but, I mean, Creighton has tried to pride itself on being a team that plays with that, like, that desperate sort of uh, trait. Mm-hmm. Like, they want to dive on the floor. They want to create havoc with their tenacity. Um, at times, <laughs> it drops off as maybe the game unfolds because they get a little tired. But when they've needed it against Texas Tech, like, they made four or five hustle winning plays in overtime to win that game. Yeah. Um, they made some big-time plays against Louisiana Tech in that game earlier in the year, which was kind of close toward toward the end. Um I wonder if Nebraska's seen that before from a team yet. yet. Because that, to me, was a defining element of the Creighton-Nebraska game last year was because Creighton thought, okay, yeah, I think we know how to play hard. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, Nebraska came out and was like... Hardest that they played all year. It wasn't even kind of close. Right. So I would imagine that it's going to flip. Well, and so here's the... So so I agree. Here's the only other element, the only other thing we can mention about this. Nebraska has nothing to lose absolutely nothing to lose and they can play they can you know throw out a junk defense they can shoot i mean they they have nothing to lose if they lose this game nothing it doesn't matter they just lost to georgia tech you know who knows how many they're four and four like they've got nothing to lose so like they almost don't they're almost immune to pressure in terms of like in game where whereas creighton you know you've been in if you cover sports you've been in those arenas or those football stadiums where you know if Creighton comes out and they start one for 10 for whatever reason, they start one for 10, Nebraska starts four for five. It's, you know, 12 to four at the first, in the first time out. And everyone in the arena is like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And, 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 Mitch Bell, and, 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 and McDermott's like, what the hell's going on guys? Yeah. And Fred's like, this is great. Like I just got dealt like, you know, pocket aces. Like this is incredible. Like, let's just kind of roll with it. And Nebraska has no, they, they have nothing to lose. So I still the, think that the start that, maybe is, I think the first that. five yeah. minutes of the game is is incredible because if if Creighton comes out and makes their first three shots, it might be the game over. I like, like you know, yeah. like it's, it's possible. Well, yeah. uh, you mentioned junk defenses, by the way, so that leads into coaching, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we'll see any junk defenses. Creighton does have this little funky zone that it played last year. Is it a one through one? Well, no. last year against Nebraska or no, just no, in general. In general yeah. And I don't know if we'll see that, but Creighton does have a one through one. Anyway, from a coaching element, um, who has the edge there? Um. I'm going to say for – so here's my blanket statement. I think that Fred Hoiberg is a better coach than Greg McDermott. I think from a coaching element on Saturday, Greg McDermott has the advantage because he's been in this program for long enough that he is extremely comfortable with – he know, he can look on his bench and just look at – or look at a page of you know all of his guys, the roster, and he can say, I know what I'm going to get if I get these three on the floor with these two, and I know what I'm going to get – you know, okay, there's 16 minutes left in the second half. We need this. I'm, I know who I'm going to put in for this and who can be our spark plug and who's going to do this and who's going to need this. He, he knows what plays work. He knows what plays don't work. He's, he's done this for these guys long enough. So I think from that advantage, McDermott definitely has the advantage on Saturday. Um, I do think, though, 
and this isn't me trying to be a homer or whatever. I think what Fred Hoiberg's been able to do already with this basketball team, with this Nebraska team, has been pretty impressive because I think that you lose first two games at UC Riverside and Southern Utah to open the season and to open you, you know your your tenure at a school. Sometimes you can lose that locker room pretty quickly. You know when Nebraska lost even one game last year at times, it they struggled to kind of regain it back. I mean they lost to Michigan State at home by six. And they 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 carried that into a loss at Rutgers, which was unacceptable. And so I think to be able to win four out of five after losing those first two, to be able to have some of those shooting nights, and I think it's important too. You know, some people will. There's been a lot of talk about Cam Mack, and you know, whenever he um, crossed up that dude and pointed at him, and and then made the play or whatever, and people saying, "Oh, was that disrespectful? Was that this? Was that that?" My main takeaway was. Nebraska might be a bad basketball team, but they play with confidence. And that's what they that's what you want and that's so hard to do. Like if you're not a good team to be able to play with and sometimes I think people can see that and say, "Oh, like that's they're filled with not a lot of, you know, this is just hollow confidence or whatever." But I think that's a testament to the way that Fred's been able to kind of foster this team. Um so I think that he's a really extremely good coach, but I think on Saturday McDermott has a fully loaded roster he knows exactly what he needs almost fully loaded yeah, yeah. almost fully yeah. loaded but like he j- i just feel like he feels more he got more comfortable got more in his skin yeah. yeah and he's more established within the system yeah. i think so i'd give it advantage to Craig. i think too often though when we talk about coaching we don't i mean sure there's i mean there's a lot of the difference between the best coach in the country and like the 30th best coach whatever parameters you're using to determine that it really isn't that much in my opinion the players decide it mm-hmm. um you can as you've seen and you've documented and talked about, like you can draw up the perfect play and the shot doesn't go in. It's up to the players to make the play. Yeah. If, if, uh, if I don't know, um, Tom Izzo took me, you and three other people in the newsroom <laughs> and put us on the basketball court. Um, it would look gross. <laughs> yeah. So like he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. Right. It, we would look gross right. as a team. And so, um, you know, by default almost because Creighton has better players, more experience. Um, it's more established in, in its identity. McDermott has the edge and his yeah. coaching staff have, have the edge. And that's, that's why I will hardly ever talk about getting out coached. Now, if, 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 if one coach clearly gets out coached because the other team had a better game plan and the talent's about even, or the other coach makes decisions that don't make any sense, that's when you can talk about it. Yeah. But what I don't think will happen is we'll talk about, oh man, Fred Hoiberg was so out coached. Like I, th- I think what it is is, you know, Creighton has a full chamber, and Nebraska doesn't really. I, and there's there's times when coaching. Des- I, I think of the the Gonzaga game in particular at Gonzaga. Creighton played at Gonzaga, and Mark Few and his staff made a couple of really good adjustments. Yes. And Creighton staff couldn't figure it. Like Creighton staff and players. I mean, it's always a combo yes, effort. I think that's I the problem, or that's the tough part of trying to like, decipher where. Whoa, who the, who's the blame? You know, it's hard <laughs> yeah. to figure that out. Yeah. But. Um, there are times when you just you tip your cap, but then there's other times. And you know, Jay Wright, after Creighton beat Villanova, um, the Villanova team that ended up winning the national title, like was like, oh, Greg McDermott called up a couple of really good plays to help spark their. Like Creighton was down by eight with hmm. five minutes left, and Creighton got a couple back to back buckets, and Jay Wright was like, yeah, they, good job, Greg yeah. McDermott got me. He yeah. got me with that play, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's like, also it, there's it kind of goes back and forth, but, yeah. I mean, players make the plays. So yeah. um, there's also this element too of like when you're thinking of coaching, do you take into 
consideration just what happens on game day and drawing up plays or the way that your program is That's run true. in total. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so like because it kind of blends into each other too, right? So, because like you'll see the way that Creighton and fans when they watch games, they they get they always do those like in huddle mm-hmm. clips, mm-hmm. and you see mm-hmm. the way that Greg McDermott addresses his team and the way that he talks to them is um, the way that he communicates to them. That is a window into how he builds his program yeah. and what what kind of interactions and relationships he has with those guys. And and I think it's also an indication that I don't think you're going to see him panic yeah. in a game like this. But and the only thing I was going to add was like think of last night with Purdue and Virginia, right? So Matt Painter probably got the best of Tony Bennett last night, but is Matt Painter a better coach than Tony Bennett? I think it's probably about even. You know what I mean? Well, Tony Bennett got the best of Matt Painter uh, in the exactly. game last year. So, so. it's it's one of those yeah. things where really you kind of don't really know. Um, okay, so the, we have two more, and it's like specific. Okay, so what's the line? So Vegas isn't out yet, I don't think. It'll probably come out tomorrow evening-ish. Uh, Ken Palm has Creighton as an 11-point favorite. Um, off the top of your head, what? so we're going to create a um, an Omaha line. Council Bluffs, I guess we can get yeah, Council Bluffs. It's, that's uh, true. Yeah, that's about a um, my, what, 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 do you agree? Um, do you want me to say what mine is, or do you want to? Well, I thought last night after watching Georgia Tech, because I felt like Creighton from a talent standpoint, now Georgia Tech is defensive-oriented, Creighton's offensive-oriented. It's not that much different than mm-hmm. what Creighton is right now. felt about the same. Maybe Creighton give the edge. If, if they matched up, I'd give the edge to Creighton just by a tad. Mm-hmm. So I said like 13 and a half, 14 and a half mm-hmm. is the line. So if you got if you got to pin me down, Creighton's at home, 14 and a half. I, have, I, I wrote down just kind of off a whim, but I kind of like it at 16 and a half, Creighton. And I, and I think about this because I think if someone says 14 and a half, their initial reaction is like, well, yeah, Creighton's going to win by 14. But like, can they win by 17? I don't know. I think, I think for eight, I, I would throw out 16 and a half and I'm curious kind of where the line would go. Mm. I think so we can maybe compromise at like 15. Okay. I wonder what Vegas will think. Creighton's not been good against the spread this year. And mm-hmm. it's larger because it hasn't played well in the second half of games, mm-hmm. built, built big leads. Uh, the game against Oral Roberts in particular at the very end, 8-0 run by Oral Roberts to uh, to cover that number. Yeah. Um, so. I have no idea because I, I think that. I, I think it'll be lower. I think Vegas will set it. If I had, I think the line should be 14 or 15 where we're at, but I think the, I, I bet Vegas will set it at like. 11. 11 and a half. Yeah, I, I would see that. I could see that too because I think Vegas likes, they like to take Nebraska maybe better than usual because they know they'll get that money. Um, for real though, like think about like football wise, like there was no reason for them to be, you know, whatever they were half the time. It did seem like some of those lines were trolling. And when, and then when Nebraska wins, when Nebraska wins a football game or wins a basketball game, watch what the lines do. Like they, they beat South Dakota state. And then the Southern line was like, I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was a little absurd. Mm. And then that went into overtime. Like it was one of those things where they, they're reactive. So I think because Nebraska lost, maybe it's like, yeah, 11 or 12, but I think 15 is, I think that's a good. Council Bluffs, Omaha World Herald line. The line last year was Nebraska by like six and a half. Is that right? <sighs> that sounds uh, sounds accurate. I thought I thought it was. And a then they won by number, nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it bloomed at the end. I think Creighton maybe what they cut it to ten at some point. In the second yeah, half? I think so. More competitive. Yeah, in the second yeah. Half, but certainly not close. Got a prediction? Do you? Um. Well, what was the Ken Palm score prediction? Because I remember seventy nine sixty eight is yeah, what it currently is. Right, so I think that's low. I want to say I think Nebraska, it's low too. Or I, th- I think both, I think Nebraska's in the seventies, Crane's in the eighties. So like eighty eight, seventy. 
75. 73. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Creighton wins. Um, I think Creighton wins by 15. Um, I think this could be a close game if Nebraska shoots average. If they just hit their average, this could be close. If they do what they have done a couple times this year and they settle for bad, bad, bad shots because they're hurrying, if they work the ball and they move it and they get out in transition and they just make the simple play, I think that they can shoot average against this Creighton defense and they can keep this competitive. I I do worry, though, that it could be a blowout if Creighton comes out, you know, makes four of their first six shots. They're up 15-5 to five at the first TV timeout. Fred Hoiberg's in the huddle and he's looking at his guys and he's like, this isn't it. Because what happened on Wednesday, you have to get over that. I mean, he said this last night um, on the radio show that the last time Nebraska lost, they had to have a t- like a heart-to-heart kumbaya team meeting where they had to get honest with each other. And like, that's a ri- that's a big moment of the season. Like, you don't have a lot of those. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, okay, how do you respond this time? And I think if, the, if Creighton comes out strong and punches Nebraska in the mouth, I think there could be an element of like, you know what, man, I'm not, this isn't, I'm not here today, you know? Right. So I think, so, but... I think if they shoot average, they make a couple threes, they decide that they want to fight, and they decide that, okay, they decide to accept this as a big game because I don't know if they're quite there yet because they just don't, if you've not been in the game and you don't know Creighton very well, you don't know the history of Nebraska very well in terms of like this matchup, then maybe, but if they show up the arena, they look around like, you know what, screw these guys. And you kind of accept that then I think they could play hard and then I think it could be a little bit closer I think we'll see that from them I to me it feels you like would it, hope I think I think I think you're gonna have a game where Creighton I I, I could see Creighton go, getting off to a 15 to 5 start and then 10 minutes later it's like a six-point game because mm-hmm. Nebraska pushes back mm-hmm. I feel like Nebraska has enough horses and weapons and the because it can push pace and, and get out and run um I wouldn't be surprised if you see an 8-0 run by Nebraska countered by a 10-0 run by Creighton yeah. countered by a 6-0 spurt <laughs> by Nebraska. Like I think yeah. it could go back and forth, especially in the first half, but I imagine that Creighton's runs will be uh, a, just a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more like decisive mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit more elongated, and that's why I think Creighton will win. Do you, do we, I'm going to add this one, but who do, who do you think plays best for Creighton? I think Marcus Zagorowski plays best. Yeah. Why yeah. do you say that? Well, he was one for seven the last game. And the last time that he had a poor shooting night, he dropped 30 <laughs> the next day. So I, I think he's the bounce back player. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of his uh, MO. He it's kind of his thing. He was one of 10 against San Diego State with four turnovers and then comes in against Texas Tech. Uh, historically, one of the better defensive teams in the country and uh, obliterated him. Yeah. Two points. Yeah. So I'd imagine he's going to bounce back. He was already shooting jumpers after the Oral Roberts game in his uniform. After that, like yeah. after the post game talk in the locker room, he came out and started shooting jumpers because he was one of seven from three, which is always kind of a scary. Uh, yeah, so yeah. He's he's gonna. I'm I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Gervais Green. Um, I like Gervais by I, the way. I'm hey. sorry. I'm sad that we didn't <laughs> bring him up. Yeah, I actually think he's the most complete offensive player on their team. I don't think I disagree. Yeah, I I, I like his I game. like his game a lot. Um, I think Probably that shoots a too many threes because he's not like. That but at a certain point shooter. though, there was there was an element last night where he was like, I mean, if y'all aren't gonna shoot. <laughs> Then I will. Like he, I think he, Nebraska had um, six three pointers last night. I think he had three or four of them. Yeah. And so at a certain point, he's like, okay, well, I guess I'll be the guy. Um, I think Creighton's going to focus a lot on Cam Mack, which they should. Um, Deshaun Burke hasn't had it this year at times. He was 
When he has scored, he's scored in like three minutes, and then he doesn't shoot again, doesn't play well again. I think Gervais Green um, is going to be one of those guys who, when there's a lot of focus on Mac and they double him or they, you know, high ball screen, Cam's going to be able to find Gervais in the corner or whatever. I think he can have a good game. Um, don't be surprised if Kevin Cross has a good game too. I, I love Kevin's game. I think it all depends on if he makes his first, you know, one or two shots. If he if he can get a couple, then he's like, okay, I can I can play. Um, and I don't. Creighton has some some bigger guys and some better you know post defenders than a couple of teams Nebraska's played this year. But I think that if Kevin and, and Gervais have a good game, it's gonna be close. How about uh, two teams with like six six and six seven centers? Love it. I love this is <laughs> the way basketball it? should be. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't make I mean, it's essentially like five guards versus five guards and that's Yes, that's what I game. want. That's the only thing basketball ever should be. Uh, if you throw the ball into a center in twenty nineteen, you should be fired. <laughs> There's no reason. Uh, you may see if Ke- if if Kelvin Jones on the floor, you may see some post touches for, yeah. for for Creighton. But all right, we've talked. This is our longest spot of the year, but for yeah. good reason. We had a lot to dive into, so hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. And uh, we'll be back after the game, probably yeah. that Monday. Yeah, kind of kind of debrief, mm-hmm. and then kind of maybe look at Nebraska's got a couple pretty. Big Pretty 10 tough. play starts. Yeah, they yeah. play two Indiana teams after that, and, and that's going to be tough. And for Creighton, it will have finals week, but then after that, plays Oklahoma at home at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. So kind of a prove-it week for the Jays yeah, as well. Yeah. But Saturday, I will say, 130 tip, perfect. Perfect 130 tip. Everyone go have fun. I, I'm I'm expecting a fun game. I At least I hope for one. Should be awesome. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. <laughs>